At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Wednesday morning, August 16th, 2023. It is the Beating the Book podcast. It's Gil Alexander. Decided to get off my behind. Podcast season. Of course, NFL season uh, upon us very soon. I think we're three weeks away. We're going to, of course, have the Megapod each and every Thursday. Todd Wishnev and Jeff Parlay, the staples and the uh, rotating guests from week to week. The Megapod continues in, well, now double-digit seasons. We look forward to that each and every Thursday, beginning right prior to week one. Guessing Lines with Chrissy Andrews will continue as well. The first Guessing Lines is always the Monday morning after week one of the NFL season. But between now and then... A few podcasts, an NFL preview, a U.S. Open tennis preview coming up, and in what has been the longest-running series in the history of this podcast, the Beating the Book podcast, and before that, the Betting Dork podcast, we do our baseball quarterly derivative show, Q3 2023, with our buddy base winner, Mark Borchard, from an undisclosed location somewhere in the desert. How you doing, Mark? That's so cool. We've been doing this for 13 years. Wow. That's nice. 13 years. I just, right before we got on air, I went back to see when was the first time. This was before we did the derivative show. My fifth ever betting dork episode, June 23rd, 2010, MLB Sabermetrics Tribute. This is the betting dork feed that's still up at iTunes. Forum guest base winner emerges from the lab to give his four, four MLB picks of the day. I don't know how you went on those four, but I assume it was okay. We'll have to check. I, I, I'm thinking we went four and zero. Oh, we got yeah, it. Totally, absolutely, totally yeah. four and zero. Totally. The the quarterly show though is the longest running, even longer than the Megapod and Guessing Lines. Like you and I have been doing this. I don't know how we got started on this, but Q1, Q2, through Q3. Q1, Q2, and Q3 of each Major League Baseball season. What Mark and I do, for those who are unfamiliar, is we do what we call the MLB Derivatives Betting Show, which is we look at the teams that, to that point in the season, obviously this is the quarter poll, to this point in the season have been the biggest money makers, the biggest losers for betters, with a bizarro exercise if you had bet them every single day, every single game all year as a favorite or a dog, doesn't matter what you'd be up, what you'd be down. We do that for the money line. We do that with splits. We do that with the run line as well, the de facto power ranking. Those who have listened to this series for a long time remember that phrase. Um, We do it for starting pitchers. We do it for umpires. Mark is great because you have historical umpire numbers. So we see, are this year's uh, reliably over and under umpires when they're calling balls and strikes historically uh, corroborated by Mark's numbers as well. All designed to make you, you know, to get you to make 
smarter bets. We also do first five inning numbers and proprietary first inning numbers. Um, again, the whole purpose of this is not to say, oh, look what's happened, but it's to determine what's narrative and what's predictive. And Mark, uh, for those who are just listening to the podcast side, we did this on the radio side yesterday. And I wish we had done this on the podcast side yesterday too, but that's just luck. And would you like to explain to folks what happened yesterday, yesterday when we did this? It was awesome. Well, I don't know. We're talking oh, about the, talking oh, about the, the first Braves thing. Yeah. 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 So Severino, um, uh, Woba is worst, worst in baseball. And uh, Gil actually put out a, out a play, which he never does. And uh, well, I shouldn't say that because you're spot playing. So this was a spot play. It was a great spot play. Yeah. And you bet it a bunch of different ways. I personally bet it draw no bet, which is cool. You can get that nowadays. Uh, Braves first inning, draw no bet. And we got a three run homer. I think with two outs, Gil, correct me if I'm we wrong. We did with so, two outs. Yeah. So we, again, it was like, uh, I bet the Braves, what we found out on the show yesterday doing the first inning numbers is that Severino. Yeah. The, the worst on base percentage against him in the first inning this year and the Braves have the best run differential in the first inning this year in fact the Braves run differential in the first inning is better than all but like five major league clubs entire season run differential and so it's it's rare that those two things align and so it triggered a bet on the Braves at plus 149 and plus 140 first inning uh, to score a run and then also Braves run line first five Braves, you know, minus a half run Braves full game minus one and a half. So it was just a great day. But again, it just the confluence of events on that. So hopefully, you know, there's something on this show that can uh, sort of trigger maybe not quite as precisely as that one, but something moving forward. Shall we begin, sir? Sounds good, Gil. All right, let's do it. Let's go to teams. This is courtesy of covers.com. And we'll roll through these because these uh, we went through this yesterday and it's somewhat surprising, not not the very top one. It is not surprising to anybody that the Baltimore Orioles, again, if you had bet them every game this year as a favorite, as a dog, whatever bizarro exercise, if you had bet them every game this year on the money line, you'd be up 26 plus units. That's even after they uh, lost yesterday, you'd still be up 26 units, which is more than 10 units more than the next most profitable team, which is interestingly... The Washington Nationals, who, despite a 53-67 and 67 record in the standings, would have you up 15.38 units per covers because they're a dog so often. Cincinnati rounds out the top three. Texas, Boston, Milwaukee, Atlanta, maybe more uh, predictable teams after that. But are you surprised Washington and Cincinnati are there? Washington is is super surprising because you just wouldn't think that they're, you know, it's not like their pitching's great. It, by any means, um, well, I think there was an interesting stat I, I, I saw the other day: Washington versus ground ball pitchers uh, per Baseball Reference, second best OPS in baseball. I thought that was super interesting because wow. I would have never thought that. That's yeah. interesting. Do you, by the way, Baltimore, Washington, Cincinnati—the only ones that would have you up double digits. Baltimore, as I said, twenty-six plus units. Washington, fifteen point three eight. Cincinnati, thirteen point nine one units to the positive again betting them on the money line every game this season um do you expect the baltimore thing to continue do you expect the washington thing to continue i think the orioles are going to come down a little bit uh you, you look you know i do something on my site gil i don't know if, if anybody's checked this out but it, it's it's actually pretty good as far as like saying well has this team been lucky has this team been lucky Orioles second luckiest uh, on my site uh, based on, and I use weighted runs creative plus, expert minus, and defensive runs saved. If you compare the standard wins, 
uh, to the expected wins. So I think that they've been been pretty lucky, Gil. So I would say, you know, right now, I, I don't. They're six seventeen winning percentage. Uh, too bad you can't make this bet. Are they going to be under six seventeen winning percentage? I would say yes, Gil. It's interesting because you were talking. By the way, you like the Padres for those who care about it. For those who listen to this today, that you're actually on the Padres against the Orioles. We were, we were talking on a numbers game this morning. The Orioles twenty two and eleven in one run games this year. That is the best one run record, probably by far. Well, no, the Milwaukee Brewers have something to say about that. They're twenty four and ten, but the Orioles twenty two and eleven in one run games. And yes, by Pythag Pythagorean theorem, Bill James theory. They ought to have won seven games less than they have, seven games fewer. And we talked about the Padres, who have been the most unfortunate. Uh, they ought to be 10 games better than they are in the standings. Six and 19 in one-run games. Oh, and 10 in extras. Oh, my God. Anyway, we Yeah, should... you know, it gets, it's funny. When we do this show, I come up with all these ideas because I love how your mind works. And it just it, – I listen to what you say, and it kind of stimulates my mind. And I'm like thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to have like a chart with like winning percentage for one run games, like mm-hmm. by every team. So you could see, okay, well, this is what their winning percentage is. And, and then kind of like, you know, I guess if you're doing like stock or Forex charts or something, see if they're, you know, if it, if it goes up and down type thing, it'd be super interesting. It's something to think about on the off season. Yeah. I have all these projects, Gil, in my mind to do uh, yeah. uh, in the off season. Yeah. It's great. I would love to see all your stuff. It's just a, a, a trove, a treasure trove of baseball stuff. We stray. I didn't mean to stray on that. But the, by the way, the worst teams on the money line, no surprise, Oakland would have cost you nearly 30 units, over 29 units in the red this year. By the way, if you're betting Oakland each and every game this year on the money line, something's probably wrong with you. Because for the purposes of this bizarro exercise, they'd be the biggest hemorrhager. The Mets would be the second worst. Good God. Over 23 units to the negative. Kansas City would be over 22 units to the negative. The Padres would be fourth worst, followed by the White Sox. The Padres are the one. I mean, goodness. So you you actually think uh, the question of will this be sustainable? You actually think the Padres, based on you know, and I just mentioned about their Pythagorean. You don't think this is going to continue. You think they'll actually turn upwards? Oh, you see their winning percentage uh, as as it stands right now. The standard winning percentage on MLB.com is four seventy five. I think they should be at five sixty six win percentage. So they're the unluckiest team for me, Gil, uh, in, in baseball. So yeah, I think. And you just think about that. You you've got you know you've got Snell and Darvish and uh, Musgrove. Right? Like the the problem with the Padres. And so this is, I guess, I'm glad I'm talking about this because. So you can say, well, they're unlucky the one run games, that sort of thing. But like, if, if your bullpen's lousy, like you're going to probably lose more one, one run games than if your bullpen's elite. Right. And so like, I'd like to talk about project. Here's another project or that's number two on this, on the show, uh, like, like, you know, chart, you know, good bullpens and how, how that corresponds with one run games. And that's, that's an interesting thought this is the, to me, this is the whole key to the giants, right? Like, I mean, that's the, it's the bottom up approach, if you will. It's, you know, again, we, we've said this before. You think about their three World Series championships at the beginning of the last decade. The most consistent thing they had was the bullpen. I think like nine Giants played in all three World Series teams, but I think four of them were out of the bullpen. Um, so they figured that out. The Kansas City Royals, remember, in their run to two World Series, they won one of them. They were they figured out, we don't have the payroll of other teams. Let's go seven, eight, nine. Let's get those innings solidified. And so I think those are the precursors to this. You watch Giants games, you're like, oh, here comes Tranquilo Camilo. They're going to win this, Right. So I, I, I really think there's a lot to that. By the way, again, brief aside, we're going to have a lot of asides on this, I'm guessing. But I did the thing yesterday on a numbers game. I'll do it for the podcast audience, too, which is 
you know, where are the best bets to make the postseason? Right now with roughly 40 games for everybody left, obviously, give or take a few games. Where are the best bets to make the playoffs? Where are the best bets to win division in baseball? And so my exercise, and I'm curious where you come in on this, my exercise was I will take the fan graphs projections, probabilities to make the postseason and, and to win division, and the baseball reference ones, and then I'll juxtapose it against the actual betting line. And so the five bets that came up as triggered bets, the bets that show value to make the postseason, the Mariners at plus 180 at DraftKings, this was yesterday, they ought to be, if you believe the baseball reference numbers, they ought to be plus 123, so that would be a bet, per my exercise. The Cubs to make the postseason, if you believe the baseball reference percentages, you know, the betting line is minus 125, it should be north of minus 200. The Giants... If you believe fan graphs, the yes for them to make the postseason at minus 145 is a great bet still, despite their tough schedule. That ought to be north, well north of 200. And then to win the division, it's the Cubs. Again, if you believe the baseball reference projection, it should be about plus 122. You're getting plus 210 on them yesterday to win the Central, the NL Central. And the Rangers, minus 165 actually represents value. If you believe the baseball reference projection of 72.1% to win the division, that ought to be minus 260. So three division, excuse me, three playoffs, two divisions. Do you agree with those? Do you disagree with any of them? And what additional ones do you have? We'll start with uh, with Rangers. Uh, Rangers, uh, by my uh, projections should be winning that division 71.7% of the time. So minus 253 would be a fair price there. Love it. Um, and then if if we talk about the the, the playoffs, uh, as Jim Moore would say, uh, you're looking at the Cubs minus 125. And I have the Cubs, and this is, uh, they were minus 217 yesterday. Now they should be minus 175 because uh, they did lose to the White Sox. They for whatever reason yesterday, mm-hmm. but they're still, that's still good value there. Yeah. And then the giants, I have the giants uh, to make the playoffs minus two thirty three. Uh, one of the things as a local guy, uh, the, the D backs are, are, are priced right now uh, by my numbers at, at four ten. I think you can get like, like four fifty for them. So D backs uh, as, as you know, and, and the, actually the, the best value from a, from a long shot standpoint by my numbers uh, was, uh, is the, the Red Sox, uh, I've got them at 23.2%, 331. You can get them in the market. At least you could yesterday at, at plus 600. So that was a good play too. Gil. Oh, okay. So D-backs and Red Sox, you would add to the mix there to make the you, postseason. What about, uh, real quick before we move on, uh, I apologize for the asides right off the top. Jason Weingarten came on a numbers game earlier this morning. He just made a bet the Rays to miss the playoffs at 12 to 1. They're five games clear of being on the outside looking in. I got a 97.8% chance for so, raise to so, make it. So 12 yeah. to 1 would not represent value to you based on your numbers. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, let's continue. So, again, those are the, uh, those are the you know, again, Baltimore, uh, Washington, Cincinnati, the best money line teams for betters thus far this year. The worst, Oakland, the Mets, Kansas City, and San Diego. By the way, San Diego not to make the playoffs? You didn't bet that, huh? I'm the San Diego's kind of like right where it needs to be. It's right like it plus 400 and they're like plus 400 to make the playoffs. So. Okay. By the way, if you were curious about the splits about that money line, um, Texas is the best home money line team, by the way, overall, uh, when we talk about money, Texas ended up fourth, as we mentioned, but they are the best home money line team. If you bet them at home, 9.4 units, that is almost all of their winnings are at home. Quite frankly, they're barely a winner away. And when you talk about away, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Mark. 
the Orioles and the Nationals and the Reds, who are one, two, three overall, it's amazing that in the Orioles' case, almost 21 of their 26 units roughly were have been made on the road. For Washington, they're actually a home for Washington is actually a home loser. Their away money line would have you up 17.5 units if you just bet that blindly. And the same thing with Cincinnati. They're actually a home loser incrementally, but a huge road winner of almost 15 units of the positive. Does that surprise you that Baltimore, Washington, Cincinnati, that almost all of their money, and again, obviously their prices are going to be better, more bang for your buck on the road, but for that difference to be that stark from home to road? Orioles, uh, definitely, and the Nationals too, because you know, you think with these analytics departments, and they're good. They're strong in Washington too. They've got some. They've got some brilliant people over there. Uh, but the Orioles do as well. And so you're talking about. We've talked about this for probably the last five or six years about ball lineup construction based on ballpark. So you think that you know these guys, the smartest guys in baseball, are going to be like, okay, well, we're going to try to tailor our our roster, pitching roster, hitting roster, uh, to the ballpark. And so you would think that with the best analytics department, they would have uh, better splits at home. So that that is a little bit surprising to me, Gil. Yeah. Um, so what did we read into all that? That Baltimore is probably not quite that sustainable and the Padres will actually have an upswing? Is that probably the headlines from that exercise right there? I think those are headlines, Gil. Okay. I think those are good headlines. What about run line? This is the de facto power rating. Again, if you're a favorite, you're a one-and-a-half one run favorite. If you're a dog, you're a one-and-a-half run dog. The Orioles end up as the number one run line team in baseball. Um, That one run record has a lot to do with it. Um, Although actually that one run record says the opposite, doesn't it? If you you have a one run record like that where you're 22 and 11, maybe it wouldn't indicate that you would be such a great run line team. But they are, in fact, the number one run line team in all of baseball. They would have you up over 25 units, almost exactly the same amount as a money line team, followed by Texas, followed by Cincinnati. Texas almost 20 uh, or a little over 21 units up. This per covers Cincinnati almost 20 units up. Then followed by the Dodgers and the Cubs. But it's the usual suspects as far as this year. Baltimore, Texas, Cincinnati. Interesting. Whereas Washington, they're still in the positive, but they're they're not nothing to really write home about on the run line. And I think maybe you break that down, favorite dog or something. So maybe the Orioles are are, are dogs. And so they're 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 close, you know. Coming at coming into uh, you know, right the right. game so and Texas does that make sense right yeah. it makes sense whereas Texas being second they probably crush you if they're a favorite by more than by more than run one and a half runs Texas especially at home you know yeah. the other split about the Rangers is their day night splits and I I think there's something there oh interesting I think there's something with, with with the rhythms and stuff but if you if you you can't get day night splits on FanGraphs but you can get day night splits on MLB.com oh. and if you go there they're 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 up at the top so and I, I personally think after having done this for such a long time I think there's something with with the day night uh, splits uh, got, from since you bring yeah. it up I got a question do you when I when I say day night splits starting pitcher in your entire career doing this, does someone leap to mind? Because I, I, I don't really use it as much as I think I should, Gil. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that you you know you can uncover a lot of bases, which no, no pun intended. Actually, maybe there was a pun intended on that, but but when you're when you're doing this on a daily basis and when you got to crunch 15 games a day, you know, there's some things that, that admittedly, like I leave out and I, I do a lot. So, uh, but that's something I think to think about, uh, yeah. you know, it's interesting. It, it, I, yeah. you know what, if, if the pitcher that comes to mind and I have no numbers to back this up, 
I just remember maybe it was one year where he had this amazing split. Remember Brian Bannister with the Kansas City Royals? <laughs> My God, yeah, he, that's a good pull, man. He was like great in the day and then not so great at night. I don't know if it was just a one-year anomaly. By the way, the worst run line teams, no surprise. Kansas City's the worst. They would have cost you over 28 units on the run line if you're betting the Royals every day any which way. Something's wrong with you. Uh, Mets are second worst on the run line. Phillies third worst. Marlins fourth worst. And Brewers fifth worst. So three, four, and five are actually potential playoff teams on the run line. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, I gave out like uh, last week, I think it was, I was on Thursday. The Phillies at eight to one to miss a playoffs. I thought that was pretty valuable. You, th- mm. That bullpen is in question with, with Alvarado. You know, it's one of these guys, and you see this happen. You saw it with Judge. He said, put these guys on the, on the IL for, or uh, on the IL uh, for, I don't know, like you're thinking, okay, we'll be back in 10 days, seven, uh, you know, a week, 10 days. Well, this guy's still on the IL. I guess he's, he's doing some rehab stuff, but you got to wonder with that Alvarado, his strikeout rates approaching 50 PCT. He's a valuable piece to that bullpen. That's a big deal. Judge might need to be on the IL. Like he looks like he's limping around by the way, since you bring him up. Ah, uh, the Yankees. Okay, let's go on another aside because this happened at Dodger Stadium the the other day. I can't remember. It was a left fielder for the Rockies. Same thing happened to him. He hit his toe on underneath the padding there on the concrete. It's like, okay, guys, let's let's fix this, guys. Let's, let's fix. Let's this. Not That's yeah. a yeah, because it turns out to be a brutal injury in the end. Uh, oftentimes, uh, this is so. This one's a little more nebulous. This is starting pitchers who have made or cost betters the most money if they. Bet on that pitcher's, that starter's team every time this starter took the mound. Dean Kramer of the Baltimore Orioles is your number one. Uh, over 13 units to the positive. You bet the Orioles every time Dean Kramer, the Israeli native Dean Kramer. Uh, the Orioles are 18 and 6, I believe, when he takes the hill. Abbott of the Reds, Taiwan Walker of the Phillies is third, and then Gomber of the Rockies is fourth somehow. Um, there's nothing to any of those, are there? Oh, especially Gomber, really? Oh yeah. my gosh! Wow, <laughs> that's that. That is the surprise of the day for me. That's the surprise because the Rockies are 13 and 11 when he takes the hill, and they're probably huge dogs in most of those, right? That's crazy. With the and and this is, I wanted to save this one for the five inning segment, but they have the worst. The Rockies have the worst five inning run def- differential in oh. baseball, worse than the A's, like. So that, that's, 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 that's surprising to me that Austin Gomber, that I'm be- betting against him today, by the way. Yeah. Well, oh, you did bet against Austin Gomber. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That five inning stuff doesn't surprise. We'll get to the five innings in a minute, but that doesn't surprise me because it's cores, right? So if you lose, maybe you tend to lose by more, right? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. That, that's actually an interesting ob- observation. By the way, worst starting pitchers. Again, this is if you happen to bet on their team, Every time they take the hill, well, no surprise that Jordan Lyles of the uh, of the of the Royals, who I think they started zero and fifteen with him on the hill this year. Well, now they're now three and twenty. He's still the biggest hemorrhager of cash. He'd have cost you fourteen units. Zach Greinke, his teammate, <laughs> would be second worst. He'd have cost you over ten units. Uh, and then it's Giolito of the Angels. He's been terrible with the Angels, by the way, since the acquisition. He'd have cost you almost 10 units this year for, for both of his clubs, the White Sox and the Angels. And Jordan Montgomery, who the uh, Rangers just uh, acquired, of course, before the trade deadline, he would have cost you, in his days with uh, both St. Louis and Texas, he would have cost you over eight units this year. Those are the the worst four. So, I mean, I'm not saying Lyles and Granke are 
horrible pitchers, but their team is just horrible, right? So, I mean, it's going to be a couple Royals pitchers probably at the bottom. You know, that, that, that Royals team, they've played a little bit better as of, as of late, but, but you'd look at run differential. You look a lot of the advanced metrics. They've been a disappointment. I would say if the Royals could be a disappointment, which I think that they had better expectations than what they've done this year. So they are kind of disappointing, even comparing them to their own expectations skill. Yeah. Just some big names, by the way, at the bottom of that list, uh, Eighth, Sandy Alcantara, eighth worst. I mean, how far has he fallen? He'd have cost you seven units. This year, anyway. Because the Marlins are 9-15 and 15 in his games. Blake Snell of the Padres is eighth. Remember, excuse me, ninth. He was a big, you know, possibility of a, uh, of a trade deadline acquisition. But I, I said the same thing about him and Otani. Like, as, as bad as the Angels have been since the All-Star, since the uh, trade deadline... I still believe the Angels had no choice. Like, I just believe they had to keep Otani and hope for the best. I felt that way about the Padres in a different way, which is, you know, I think if Artie Moreno got rid of Otani, like, what are you telling your fan base? This is the greatest player in baseball. You have to keep him and try. And with the Padres, like, they were supposed to be great. So I don't think you could have gotten rid of Blake Snell. Well, they're 11 and 13 in Blake Snell outings this year. So that would cost better six and a half units, roughly. And you, Darvish, is 11th with the Padres, 11th worst in terms of hemorrhaging money. Darvis is surprising because he does play on that team. That team, like, you know, even by the numbers and, and I adjusted every day, like they're like third in baseball from an offensive, like weighted runs created plus, which is the the standard, I guess what people use nowadays. And uh, they're, they're, uh, they're number three by my rating. So you would think that they'd have, he would have better luck with, and he's, he's got like a lot of really good uh, sabermetric numbers. So, so maybe that's the guy for me that that'll probably uh, get better than where he's at right now, Gil. Yeah, let me throw it to you for the umpires because I don't want to. Uh, my numbers look a little janky here, but you and I isolated an overump yesterday, uh, which, in terms of what he's doing this year, juxtaposed against your historical stats, actually jibed very well. So you're like, well, remember when when a stat fox or one of these sites that puts umpire assignments on their site first, if you see these particular guys who have a tendency to guy to go over over or under. And your bet is going to go the other way. Maybe it takes you off a bet at the very least. Doesn't necessarily trigger a bet, but maybe it takes you off. The guy on the over was Edwin Moscoso. Nine of 14 games this year, he's when he's called balls and strikes, have gone over. And he he absolutely jibes with your historical numbers to the over. He's he's Gil, he's the third uh highest over umpire by my numbers. And so so I have like an opinion on this because you're like, well, it's only 9%, uh, you know, from a run projection standpoint, I use strikeout percentage and walk percentage and you can actually equate that to a run, uh, expectation, uh, quantitatively. And you think, well, it's 9%. Well, how much is that? But if you think about it, you know, 10% of a, of a total that's nine, you know, that's almost a full run. Mm-hmm. So it does make a difference. And, uh, it's certainly something I have in my model from a, from a, a total standpoint, it's kind of incorporated into the math in the, in the model. Uh, but that that was the the one that kind of stood out to me. Uh, he, he's number three. He's number what did you say? Number one in in baseball from from an over standpoint? No, he is number two. Well, it depends how you you know if, if by percentage. Well, this is listed just by the number of over games. By percentage, he's not number one. Jim Wolf and Hunter Hunter Wendelstead are actually nine of thirteen to the over. But Edwin Moscoso was nine of fourteen to the over. So, I mean, that's still. I mean, There's something there, Gil. I like think his, his strike zone is the size of a thimble. You know, like I always say, like you wonder what it is with these guys. And by the way, I don't know if you see like to the opposite. This will be more in tune with the over with the under guys. 
But, like, there was a pitch to Justin Turner in Boston last night. I don't know if you saw this. It's like two inches outside of the strike zone, and they rang him up. You know, and you're just like, what are you doing? By the way, uh, and then Gabe Kapler for the Giants yesterday, this kid who uh, who rose from, from single A all the way to the big leagues for the Giants this year, uh, has been. This was his second game last night. His name is um, his name is Wade Meckler, and he was like the umpire. Chad Whitson was calling all of these pitches that were way outside of the strike zone strikes on him. So Gabe Kapler finally lost his mind. He ran out. He's like, "You're killing this kid! Like you're sucking all the confidence out of him because you're calling these pitches way out of the strike zone as strikes." He lost his mind. He got tossed. Next two times up, Wade Meckler got base hits. I mean, it, it's really. It's becoming worse and worse. It is, and I think I think the other thing too is we have better data, and the and the presentation of where the pitches in the strike zone is is really well done uh, on the broadcast. So what happens is you see a pitch like that, and it's they're, they're pivotal. Every game has one. Okay, so, so for me, pivotal. For, for for me last night it was it was Tommy Pham at bat. They they called a, a a strike a ball. Next pitch guy hits a double, and that was like the key. And That's I had the, the over really work. It worked out for me really well, but like, I mean, I think that that for what we see, the technology's there to be able to, and, and you're a big tennis guy. I, I've seen it done in tennis uh, as kind of a layman guy who watches tennis, and it's it's pretty efficient. It, it's it's not obtrusive to the game. They say, hey, this this ball was out, and it, it you know you called it in, or I guess vice versa, and, and it takes all of maybe 15 seconds to say, yeah, that, that was, that was out or in. And I think they should institute something like that uh, in major league baseball, Gil. Yeah. You're, you're so right. First of all, on, on many counts, one <clears throat> in tennis, it has completely transformed the, the sport of tennis, right? From our childhood when, you know, John McEnroe or Jimmy Connors would lose it on the lines people or on the, or on the umpire. We don't have that anymore, right? Because the technology is accepted and it's so seamless that you just move on. In the minor leagues in baseball, Will Hill was talking about that this morning on a numbers game. In the minor leagues, they have a challenge system where, like, the batter taps his, his helmet or something, and it's super seamless. You get, like, one challenge, right, that kind of thing. But, like, in a high-leverage moment, that could matter. I think that's not going far enough. Like, I really don't. Like, it's gotten so bad. And you're right about what you said there is the key from a betting standpoint. You happen to have won that bet. But we've all been on bets where we legitimately can make a case we lost a bet because – that batter got to stay in the box longer than he should have been. And then, of course, right, he hits the bases clearing double right after that when it should have been strike three. And it is super frustrating. But, you know, betting's hard enough. So to lose that way really pisses you off. Absolutely. It's a big deal. And I think yeah. they should look at it. They're taking sponsorship money from, from betting companies and fantasy companies. And I, and I think they really should look at it. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the fan has any voice. But if we do, let's uh, – I don't know, not play totals for a day or something. Yeah. See, see how that works. You know? <laughs> we, we're, we're going on boycott of totals. Uh, do you remember? Funny. It's like, if like, if you start the voice of sports betting starts this movement, it's like, <laughs> let's not bet totals for one day. Like, like see if it has an impact. That'd be, that'd be funny. People would be like, fuck you, Gil. They're not, we're, we're betting our totals. Damn it. Um, if, if like, yeah, Gil, I'm not betting any totals. Then like, you know, five minutes worth of, I got to bet this total. I got to bet this total. That's right. I love you, man. But uh, I got to bet this thing. Uh, the most reliable under, umpires in baseball this year. I don't remember who we landed on that jived with you historically yesterday, but I could tell you uh, Doug Eddings, nine of 10 to the under this year. Brian Knight, there's our buddy, eight of nine to the under. Nate Tomlinson, no, that's not right. These these are all jacked up. Jeremy Riggs, 10 of 12 to the under. Who did we, we land we on? Mentioned our, 
We mentioned on the show, uh, Jim Wolf was in the Jim top Wolf, 10. He's, yes. He's in the top 10 of my uh, under umpires. He's uh, number eight. And then Doug Eddings is, is in the top 12, I guess. He's number 12. Okay. So, yeah, there's, some, there's something to that. And, and, and gosh, I guess, I guess Brian Knight has, is at one. So he doesn't even need to start there. He is there. <laughs> Once again, that song is mathematically impossible for, what is it? Uh, well, one is like a dream come true. Two, I want to be with you. Three, girl, it's plain to see. Uh, you're the only one for me. Four, right, repeat steps. One, two, three. You can never get to five to fall in love with me. You can never get to it. Guy's never going to fall in love, I guess. Brian That's Knight. sad. Brian Knight. Under umpire. So again, what were the under the reliably historically under umpires? Who are they? Wolf, Jim Wolf, Doug Eddings, and, and I wanted to, I want to say this because I don't know. Like Bill Miller is number one by my ratings. He's been number one in my ratings forever. forever. So the guy's not changing. So like yeah. he's an under umpire. You know, you, you got to definitely make adjustments with that guy. Yeah. So again, keep that in mind. Maybe they have a huge, huge wide strike zones. It's not necessarily, does this mean, oh, if these guys are umpires, I should absolutely automatically play the under. Oh, if Edward Moscoso was the umpire, I should automatically play the over. No. Should it, though, perhaps give you pause if you're going the other way in a game? Like, if you have an under in an Edwin Moscoso game, maybe you should think twice. And again, these these uh, umpire listings, I always say StatFox. Is there another place? I think there's a Twitter account, too, that has these, right? Yeah, there's there's umpire crew, there's umpire report, there's a couple good umpire umpire sites right now. Okay. Um, and, and those are two of them. And then, but Stat Fox is I, how long is Stat Fox? I think Stat Fox predates us. Yeah, I and think it and does. And it's still like their stuff's still working, so it's pretty cool. Some it's people still love it. Yeah, some people still go there. Good for them. Uh, okay, let's go to this. Those were all from Covers.com and Marks, obviously his proprietary numbers to uh, corroborate or to uh, go elsewhere with those numbers. This comes to us first five inning numbers now for betting, which give big big shout out to Odds Shark, uh, who keeps who compiles this for everybody. I used to do them manually. Remember, there was a time where like you could not find these numbers anywhere. So shout out to Odds Sharks. Uh, Odd Shark, pardon me, at oddshark.com. The Texas Rangers, as you pointed out earlier, the number one first five team in all of baseball. You said based on run differential. Well, they're the number one money earners for first five betters. They're 70, 37, and 12. Remember, you can push in first fives. They'd, you'd be up over 15 units if you bet the Rangers every first five this year on the money line. And we were discussing this a little yesterday. Our hunches, it's just they just out-hit people, right, in addition to being solid pitching. Just 415 runs uh, offensively, 269 allowed. So the only team that has more runs, and it, I don't know how many games each team has played, are the Braves. The Braves have more runs in first five. And the Braves would be the number two money earners for first five. You'd be 69, 34, and 15. You'd be up almost 10 units with them. So it's really the Rangers by a long margin, by over five units. Then it's the Braves, and then it's the Reds. Like the Reds again, followed by the Orioles and the Guardians. But once you get past the Orioles, you drop off a cliff. So here's the thing. Let's put it this way. You know how many teams are profitable first five money line this year if you bet them every single game? Five. Rangers, Braves, Reds, Orioles, Guardians. And the Guardians, less than 100 bucks. Less than one unit, in other words. And, and I think maybe that touches on, on on a point where these first fives, because I love playing the first fives. I think you can isolate a starter a lot better. You can you can go a little bit more specific with the stats, but you got to keep in mind, at least now, and maybe the market will get more competitive down the line. 
but you're going to pay a higher price uh, as a rule. The uh, straddle is bigger. The The straddle is bigger. That's right. You won't find the dime lines here. So that matters. And that's amazing. So legitimately, there's only five out of out of 30 teams positive. And the five that are, again, throw the Guardians out because it's less than one unit. The four that are, are hugely profitable. So it's like those are the four anomalies. Rangers, Braves, Reds, Orioles. By the way, about the Braves. We were talking about this, not with you this morning, but with other, with other folks. And we always say this about the baseball postseason. I made all those Braves bets in plus money down the stretch last year. 17 different bets in plus money I made on the, on the Braves to overcome the Mets and win the NL East because I, I just thought it was mispriced. And it, it came through, and one of the big things I said is, and now the Mets are going to peter out completely because the problem in baseball is you play 162 games. If you don't win your division, man, does it suck because then you got to play a best of three. So it is hugely punitive. And I... You know, we uh, the other stat we always throw out, stats by Lopez, who says, you know, in the, in the basketball, best of seven, like 80% of the favorites get through because there's huge top-heavy in the NBA first round, typically. Um, although not so much in the Western Conference these days, but historically. To get the same percentage of favorites through in, ho- in hockey, you'd have to play a best of 51. That's how random hockey is. In baseball, per stats by Lopez, you know what you'd have to play a best of to get that percentage of favorites through? A best of 75. So think about that. Like, it's so random. And yet, I want to ask you about the Braves. Are the Braves so good this year that you don't care about any of that? You'd bet them to win the whole thing? Because, man, on a nightly basis, Mark, I watch them and I'm like, they're playing a different sport than everybody else. Top to bottom, lineup-wise, I mean, there, I don't think there's a weakness in there. You look at their bullpen. By my numbers, they're rated number one. Um, you know, the the one thing, and I love Strider. He's probably my favorite pitcher in baseball. But he could be had every now and then. Mm-hmm. And maybe a team like the Dodgers uh, can have him. And you, you think about you think about the the Phillies. There's one thing I know about the Phillies, just kind of off the top of my head, versus uh, power pitchers. They're top three in baseball. Like so, that makes sense that they they were able to get to Strider last year. But uh, yeah, I think when you get into that and you're talking about the, the, the randomness of the postseason, uh, I, I think as good as they are, as dominant as they are, maybe it's just best to bet against them because you know what? Pretty much the same team last year and they it's baseball. They got they got jumped by the by the Phillies. I think this Dodger team is really good. I mean, what have they won? Like twelve straight? I mean, they're that's thir- a team. Thirteen and one in August, I think, and they've won nine straight, I want to say. Something like that. It's like they're yeah, never gonna pop- lose again, yeah. That Bobby Miller, I could hardly wait. I hope he continues to be as good as he's been because I love saying Bobby ball game. It's one of my favorite <laughs> phrases. So I hope he think I can continue. Worst first five teams in baseball. No surprise. Royals followed by the A's. Royals would have cost you over 20 units. If you bet them blindly first five money line this year, if you're doing that, you're doing something wrong. Athletic second, they'd cost you 16 and a half units roughly. This parad shark Phillies would be the third worst mark 15 plus units in the red. And then the Red Sox and Mets rounding out the top five. Do the Phillies surprise you there? Absolutely. It does. Because if you look at uh, run differential, you've got bottom three teams, Colorado minus 148, <sighs> uh, Oakland minus 145. Uh, Royals minus 102. And then, but, but the Phillies are actually positive. They're 10 runs ahead. First five, so uh, might might be having something to do with pricing. It's all uh, about pricing. So think about that. So you said the Rockies have the worst run differential, right? First five. First five, yep. And I mentioned that there are only five teams that are positive in first fives on the money line. 
The Cubs are sixth, literally 18 bucks in the negative. And the Rockies are seventh, only $96 in the negative. That's despite having a 42, 63, and 14 record. (laughs) So bad in the first five. But because those 42 probably have massive plus money attached to it, that's why they're six. They wouldn't have cost you barely anything. Exactly. And you got to think there's, so there's also like, there's a game in Colorado where I think Angels scored 21 runs in the first maybe 23 oh, runs good call five innings. So, good that, call. so that that's a big that's a big chunk of that right there it sure is all right by the way i didn't i we, we didn't do this before but you know the most profitable first five pitcher is austin gomber of the rockies oh don't tell me this don't tell me this i'm playing <laughs> against him today oh he's, he's bound for regression regret it, it should actually that's a regression candidate because his, all his numbers are terrible so. this is so funny it goes gomber eovaldi kramer the aforementioned dean kramer and then justin Steele. no surprise with Steele or eovaldi but gomber eovaldi kramer and Steele, all of whom would have you up over seven units in the case of Gomber and Ivaldi, almost nine units, the positive. So there you go. There's always one guy. And look, yeah. I remember when we used to do the Sabermetrics all-stars and I love that so much because that was so I, remember great. You did, I remember you did Derek Lowe and, and this is when they would, they would hold on to these guys and you just bet him every time coming out. And it was just so profitable. It was like easy winners too. Like the guy get shelled every time they keep throwing them out. And that was one. I remember that was one of your Sabermetric all-stars yeah. to regress one year. It's cool. So first five inning red, the Rockies are 13, nine and two when Austin Gomber takes the hill. And that's enough with plus money to, to have you making tons of dough. So you're fading him today. You're fading the Rockies. Yeah. Yeah. Full game, right though? Full game. I'm going full game on that. Yeah. yeah. Their bullpen's trash too. So that's good. By the way, worst first five pitcher in baseball money wise is Zach Greinke. Four, 13 and five. The Royals are in his first five starts. It I'm you. so depressed about that because like from a, from a metric standpoint, he's, it's always a play against him. And I've just played against him in the past. And the guy's like a wizard. He's like uh, one of these guys, like you'd be like, Oh, the metrics say, Oh, jump on him. And then, then he'd like throws, he, Oh man, he gets three strikeouts and you know, walks three guys and, and doesn't allow a run. So yeah, yeah he's frustrating to bet on. So super, super frustrating. All right. Well, we did this yesterday. This is the last one. This is the most proprietary of all. And it's the first inning numbers. Cause a lot of people like to bet first innings. Um, we talked about this yesterday. We already talked about the top, which is, I wish we had done this on the podcast side. The, the very morning of when Luis Severino was taking on the Braves. Severino now up to date after last night's performance, the worst first inning pitcher in all of baseball. He's gone from five Oh four to now a five nineteen opponents batting average. Oh my God. Against him. Oh, excuse me on base percentage. Pardon me. Not batting average. Or maybe, no, yeah, no, it's it, it, batting average against is 433. The on base against is 519. 519. So again, more than one in two batters reach base against Severino in the first. Ozuna with a three run shot against him last night. No surprise that Adam Wainwright is number two at 462 on base against. And Jack Flaherty, the Orioles, Jack Flaherty now 446 against in the first inning. Do you do any first inning betting? Nope, we lost. Uh, I, there we go. I haven't done much, Gil, and uh, I, I want to, but I think it needs to be modeled like separately. So, like, that's yeah. there's another project, third project we got on the show. All third right. project. And by the way, I, I have bet, uh, you know, it's been a sort of a cottage industry on a numbers game, uh, betting first inning yes runs being scored. Um, you see, it's sort of a cottage industry has developed about people promoting, oh, you got to bet the no. 
It's not really the way to do it. Your instinct ought to be to bet the yes runs. And it really isn't quite based on this kind of stuff, but it is fascinating to look at. Severino, Wainwright, Flaherty with Severino just being, I don't remember, we've done this for years. I'm not sure I remember a 519 against in a first inning. That is just horrific. Uh, the best in the first inning, these won't be surprising. Framber Valdez, 190 against. Jesus Lazardo, 193 against on base. Sonny Gray, 200 on base percentage against. Followed by Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Tony Gonsolin, Aaron Nola, and Luis Castillo. No surprises there. So what's 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 the biggest? Lazardo's up there. Like Lazardo's an interesting guy. Yeah. Like you know, you, gosh, I bet him a, a bunch of times, and and I I would say mixed results would be would be best on the on this guy. And so like it's interesting that he's up there. What's the single biggest headline in all of this? Was it that? Was it a first five thing? Yeah, I think so. I think I think so, Gil. I, I would I would say that. I would be with you on that. Only four teams in the positive on first five. That's that's remarkable. Well, five if you include the Guardians. I, okay, so I I just wanted like let, let me just kind of break this down a little bit for for me personally. I love making the first five bet. I really do because mm-hmm. the, you get a result quick. You can really isolate on starting pitching and other things as well from a stat standpoint. But like you know. Even with that in the back of my mind, I still make the bet. So you it's, still make it's, the bet. It, I still make the bet, and I, it's, I think it's, this is one cool thing about like where sports betting has kind of evolved. And yeah, yeah, the market's tougher. I mean, everybody's got access to the same stuff now, and there's there's a lot of good. Or you get your network puts out a lot of good information, and people listen, and people are starting to become better handicappers. So that makes it more difficult to handicap, but the markets are should get more competitive as, as things go on. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see like first five inning markets. Maybe we get a little bit better juice on yeah. uh, in a couple of years, Gil. What, what does that tell us though? I'm, I'm curious because we've done this for many years. I don't ever remember at the quarter poll, right? In our Q3 derivatives poll that literally only five teams are profitable. First five. And again, the guardians less than a unit profitable. So it's really four teams, four out of 30 Rangers, Braves, Reds, and Orioles. What does that say? What, what, is the, what is the message in that? That starting pitching is basically meh league-wide, right? Like, of course, every team's going to have its ace, but it's really not deep, deep enough to sustain good five-inning performance. Or that the offense of those teams, I'm talking Rangers, Braves, and Orioles specifically, is so good and so stacked that they're leaps and bounds better than any other offense. And, and because of that, and because you're starting at the top of the lineup, obviously, um, you're getting the most bang for your buck in that short amount of time, right? So you're going to get, you know, max top of order there in the shorter time spell, uh, time frame of, of five innings. Is that, I mean, is that the message that the offense is just so condensed in those three teams? Oh, you made some good points. And I, I think that like, something that for me, I think about all the time is how these teams prep for the starting pitchers. And, and, and you mentioned that the teams, you know, maybe there's just really good preparation and they're, they know how to get to the guy early. And so I think for me, like what would be fascinating to see is like how other teams perform against uh, teams like the Rays, teams like the giants who kind of mix things up. And you see like with the, with the starters nowadays, like, okay, well, we're going to bulk this guy, but then they end up not bulking him and stuff. So they're they're, they're And I think I thought they should do this for years. They're keeping teams on their toes about as far as preparation, 
Because with the technology right now, you know, they have that, the virtual reality thing that you can simulate a pitcher. And so, like, who's to say that these guys aren't simulating the pitcher? But if they don't know who the pitcher is, who are they going to simulate, Gil? So I think there's there's a lot of interesting stuff yeah. from a an analytics standpoint there. It is. And also, you bring up the Giants. So the Giants come up first five. They're 13th, right? So they're middling. So they would have cost you four units all year. Like, if you bet them first five every single game this year, you'd be down four units. Okay, not, nothing special, but... I mean, keep in mind what we're talking about. The Royals would have cost you 20. The A's would have cost you 16 and a half. The Phillies would have cost you 15. The Red Sox would have cost you almost 15. The Mets would have cost you 13 and a half. On and on, right? Playoff teams, potential playoff teams like the Twins and the Brewers and the Mariners, 10 and above. Padres right there too. Diamondbacks almost 10 units or at least over nine. So if you're the Giants and you're always rolling out like every so every so many games, It's just a bullpen day, right? They're just mixing and matching. Like Ryan Walker, here, you start. You'll pitch two innings. We'll go to our next pitcher. What it it also tells me is that that approach ain't that bad and that more teams ought to be considering it. Yes, you know, and you see this happening, too, and it makes it from a handicapping standpoint, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it, it, it is because. So for years, you know, we bought, we've, we've boxed the starter or listed the starter. Right. And so now I'm just, I'll just get into kind of my life. If I see somebody that's going to bulk for the giants, I've got to like, I got to, I'll handicap that, but in, in parentheses, I got to put bulk. Right. And so like it's, it, it, it becomes challenging. And then the other thing is too, this is interesting, Gil. I just want to touch on this because it's, it's been Please. a challenge for me. Yeah. You look at a guy like Pavetta, right? So he, he's been getting like, like openers. And so you look at his like stats as a starter, like, okay, you can use those. And there's, there's, there's some relevance there, but there's also relevance to when he comes in as a bulk guy. So you, now if you have, if you're all your systems are like, well, how does he do as a starter? You got to be like, okay, I got to change this because I'm going to put the bulk stuff in too. So from a technical standpoint, from a handicapping standpoint, it, it, it presents another hurdle to to go over, I guess. Mark, I love it. I, I always think about the old, well, first of all, Deion Sanders, when he played football and baseball, he used to say, he used to riffing off the old anti-drug commercial in the 80s where it was like, oh, here's my brain, here's my brain on crack. And Deion Sanders, I brought this up many times, used to say, you know, football was, baseball was his brain and football was his brain on crack. And when we get to do the Megapods, it's football season, we all love football, it's going to be, you know, we're going to be on, on hamsters on a wheel week after week doing football and it's the greatest thing in the world. But I so appreciate doing these pods with you because this really is my brain as opposed to my brain on crack. And I love nerding out on these things. And baseball handicapping still to me is some of the most fascinating stuff in the world because it really is problem solving, right? It's, it's trying to fix a puzzle. And there's so many little nuances to it. Um, we'll never get to perfection, but we always strive to get as close to it as we can. And it's what makes it so fascinating. So I've, I've just always appreciated, man, all these years, if I haven't told you in, in person, I'll tell you on the air here. I've so appreciated all of these shows that we've done together because – like you said, the more we talk, the more that it triggers thoughts and the more that we try to innovate or, or, or figure out something, that, which is all designed to make us make money to whatever extent. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. And, and even, even when you come off, a, you got to keep that in mind because you're going to have days where you'll go in three or in four or worse. Yeah. And you got to keep that in mind that you have to really enjoy and love to do this. And it's so fun to work with you and, and to be on with you. And I just, I, I can't, I can't tell you how much I love you. And I love the vo- voice of sports betting and, <sighs> and just as a listener, as, as, as in the off season, I'll, I'll listen to the guests. In fact, I, I, I am just so Gosh, I'm I'm humbled to be on with with some of the guests that you have to, for 
for you to consider me as a guest because you've got some great guests uh, right. that come on uh, all year. Paul Carr is awesome with soccer. He's, he does such a great job with yeah. that. That's the first guy that comes to my mind. But the list could go on. And uh, I, I love listening to your show, and I love being on. It's fun. Well, you're the OG of them all, Mark. I appreciate it, man. Mark Borchard. Tell, oh, cool. tell everybody, by the way, we, we buried the headline. I, I will say base winner. People know you from this podcast at base winner, basewinner.com. You still do a base winner podcast, but I buried the headline. You, you do something every day now, except for today, Wednesday, which is why we were able to record this. Tell us what that is. Yeah, every, every weekday, uh, MLB show, it's a YouTube show, and it lasts about an hour. We, get, we go deep diving into the card, and I think one of the things I enjoy about that is I can interact with, with people who follow me. And you can say, well, base winner, you, you set the chart out, and you got this guy rated this. What, what's your take on it? Why, why isn't it a play? And then I can go back and d- down into the deeper numbers behind that and tell them why I didn't consider it a play. It's really cool. It's a, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great show. It's fun for me. Uh, we actually have a lot of fun on it, too, so that, that's, that's a bonus. Bonus as well. What's the quickest way to find it? How do they, what do they do? MLB show bet us. Just do a search on YouTube and, and you'll find me. And you do it with Jason Weingarten as well. Our old buddy. Yeah. Jason, Jason on Tuesdays and Thursdays we're, we're together. And then, uh, and then and Kyle, uh, uh, Pervance is, is the host. He does a great job, fun guy. And then Corby Craig is, is one of the other analysts too. And, and, nice. and he does a lot of good stuff. He does a lot of good stuff with Statcast, So it's cool. And, and yeah, we have, we have a fun time and, and uh, you guys want to check us out and, and ask me questions. Uh, feel free. I love, I love the questions. It's my favorite part of the show, Gil. Love it. Mark Borch and everybody. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Love you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Gil. Thanks for listening. Our next podcast is our U.S. Open preview next week right after the draw. Thanks for listening. Good luck with all your bets. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare